Welcome back to this week's episode of Inspired with your hosts, Ali and Ella. In this week's episode, we have America's number one money mentor who has built and owned 19 companies, host of the Money School podcast, with his businesses being featured in Forbes, ABC, House Hunters, along with being a former professional snowboarder and author. What did I miss? I think you nailed it. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff, but you hit the highlights like the snowboarding, uh, I had a show on HGTV with my wife uh, for flipping houses. Gosh, you hit the high level stuff. So I think we just roll with that. Perfect. Okay. So I know that you um, are an inspiration to many, and this podcast is called Inspired. What did it take to get you where to get to where you are today? A lot of failing, uh, to be quite honest. You know, as a young kid. We didn't have a lot of money. I didn't grow up in a family with money. So the biggest thing I had was dreams. You know, when I was a kid, I was a very visual, artistic kid. And, you know, we couldn't just buy things. So if I wanted something, I I just had to visualize it. And I spent a lot of time in my little bedroom drawing pictures of the things that I envisioned myself doing. And, you know, in this young age, it was a dirt bike or a go-kart or a pond in the backyard. And as I got older, those, those dreams kept going. And I would just visualize them. And... On the pursuit to that, because I was such a a visionary, my family and the people close to me were not, so they were always fighting me on that. Not so much my mom, but my dad and other people. They wanted me to conform to their ideologies, their ways of thinking, their, you know, path where I wanted to create. I wanted to create the businesses, the the lifestyle, the whatever I was thinking about doing, I wanted to create it. I didn't want to follow somebody else's path. So in doing that, failure was a big part of it and it was an important part that's awesome okay so before doing what you do now which do you want to talk about a little bit about yourself and what you do first and then yeah i mean what i do today so i operate a lot of different companies but down to the core my main company which is called the money school we do one thing and one thing only we teach people how to become their own bank and we do that by showing people how to take back control of their money, and then that solves their money problem. So in an essence, a lot of what we do is help you understand how money really works. And and, and I'm trying to keep it super granular. Everything most people are taught about money is more or less a lie. You are taught to give up control of your money. You're taught to do what they tell you to do when you make money. And because of that, you're in a losing position where the banks and Wall Street and the institutions are winning because your money that you worked for is working for somebody else. I essentially rewire how you think about money by showing you the way that the wealthy, the multimillionaires, the billionaires, and the, the companies and the banks, for that, for that matter, how they use and operate money. And I show you how to change that and how to just change one thing in what you do. And that one thing changes everything financially. That's awesome. And I know my parents have started doing this and been trying to explain it to me, which I mostly understand it, but it's also pretty complicated. (laughs) And it's really cool that. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that just for a second. Cause like what you said, you know, it's complicated. It's really not. 
the reason it's complicated is because nobody's ever shown it to you yeah. because everything you've ever done in your life when it comes to money is the opposite of what your parents and what I teach. Because, so really the complexity of it isn't complex at all. It's just foreign. So what yeah. I want you to do is I want you to think about the very first time your parents brought home a bicycle for you to ride. You were probably excited. It was yeah. new. <laughs> but when you, when you got on that bike, you had no idea how to ride that bike. And you, you know, if it had training wheels, you kind of figured out, all right, all right, I put the pedals down, it goes forward. I turn the handlebars to the right, it goes to the right. I turn them to the left, it goes to the left. But when they took the training wheels off, most people, and I bet you, you are one of them, fell. And yeah. you had to crash, you had, and we'll call that failures. You had to crash a few times before you figured out. But now you could jump on any bicycle and ride it for that matter. Well, money's no different. What I teach, what, what your parents are doing is not hard at all but it's different. Okay. So yep. it's, it's a relearning is all it is because really here's all you're doing different today. When you make money, where's your money go? It goes into a bank account. That's, that's what every single person in this country, probably in the, I don't want to so much say the world, but in this country, everybody, when they make money, the main storehouse or warehouse, if you will, of their money is a bank, a traditional bank, checking, savings, whatever it is. Imagine this. What if taking back control of your money? What if earning uninterrupted compound interest, which is the ability for your money to earn even when you spend. Imagine if all that was as simple as changing one thing. And the only thing you had to do was change where you warehouse your money. So instead of putting it in somebody else's bank, where we've already talked about the fact that all they're going to do is make your money work for them. And they're going to make a spread. They're going to pay you. Let's just pretend 1%. They're going to lend it out on mortgages, cars, and everything else and make five. So they're making a 4% spread for doing nothing other than making your money work for them. Now, by changing where your money goes first, you can, you can duplicate exactly what a bank does. You can be the one making the spread. You can make an interest rate of uh, guaranteed because what we change to is we're changing from a traditional bank to your own bank, which is created using a giant mutually owned insurance company and a product that's been around forever called a whole life insurance policy, but it's designed backwards and upside down. So forget about the nuts and bolts of the machine, which is the whole life. And just imagine how simple it would be is instead of walking down to the bank and making a deposit. Now what you do is you actually just deposit the money into your bank, which is this machine that we create for you now all things considered the same, you carry on and you do the stuff you want. So eventually when you want a car, instead of going to the car dealership and financing a car there or leasing a car, what if you just went to your bank and you said, Hey, I need a loan. <laughs> you just say, I, I need a loan. And your bank doesn't ask any questions. It just gives you the money. You go buy the car. And then all you do in, in the equation when you own the bank is you treat your money the same way you would treat any other bank's money. Because if you borrow the money from you know, XYZ bank down the street, they would charge you interest in principal. So let's say you buy a car and it's a $500 a month payment. Well, if you borrowed money from your bank to buy the car, well then pay your bank $500. But here's the difference. And this is why it's so simple. If you were the bank and you were paying $500 a month to your bank for the car that you just purchased every single month, you would have $500 more and you would also own the car. And in the dynamic of that, you would be in full control of every aspect of your money because your money started in your bank, went out and bought your car, and then your monthly payments go back to your bank. So just draw a circle. And on the left side of the circle is your money. On the right side of the circle is whatever it is you want to buy. And just 
have that circle go round and round so that all the money always ends up back in your bank instead of somebody else's. That's how simple this is. That's awesome. That's so I love cool. that you're doing this. This is something that everyone should do because yes. it's a smarter way. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's just not a lot of people that teach what we do. And the reason for that is there's just no money in it. There's it's the insurance companies pay us a commission. Now, most people that know of whole life insurance, they would, they would say, Oh no, whole life insurance pays a big commission. Yeah. Regular whole life does. If I was to sell regular whole life, but I'm designing this whole life backwards and I'm designing it and stripping out all the money that I could make on it so that you have access to more money in your bank. Again, when I keep saying your bank, always remember I'm referring to the specially designed and engineered whole life. So that's your bank. So in doing that, like we make nickels and pennies, you know, when, when I tell people, what is it that I do to make money? I collect nickels and pennies on thousands of people and that's it. So I have to have a long-term time horizon to do what I do. Most people that could teach people how to do what I'm teaching won't do it because they don't have a long-term. They want to make as much money as they can right now, and they want to get rich quick. Well, wealth is a marathon, always has been, always will be. If you're playing the short game, you're going to lose. If you're playing the long game, it takes time. But in time, you achieve the ultimate thing, which is wealth. And wealth doesn't leave you because the difference between rich and wealth is the wealthy understand how not to give money back. That's so, that's like, I never thought about like having like your own bank. Because really when you put it in banks that aren't what you do or um, really your money kind of just dies where it is. Whereas slowly, yeah, it's it's like just really stays where it is and grows very small. Whereas it's thriving and getting bigger bigger and way faster. Yeah. Right. When you put it in something like that. Yeah, just imagine every time that you spent money on something, imagine if every dollar, well, and this is just pie in the sky stuff, but imagine if every yeah. dollar you spent ended up back in your bank, how wealthy would you be? You'd be phenomenally wealthy. Now, yeah. that that really can't, well, it can happen, but in theory, it would be it would be difficult. But imagine instead of all the things you spend money on, like strip out your groceries, your rents, uh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the intangibles, get rid of those, but all the things that you buy, the bigger things, cars, boats, uh, anything that you would normally finance or put on a credit card. Imagine if everything that you bought and that you pay for, the payments went back to you. Like, of course you'd become wealthy. It would take time, but eventually you'd be stupid wealthy and you'd only get wealthier. So now take that exact same thing. And then you look at the wealthiest family families in the world, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. You could even throw in Walt Disney. So, cause everybody understands Walt Disney world and that, and they understand that empire, uh, Ray Kroc with McDonald's. Uh, Warren Buffett. I mean, I hate to throw this one in there, but you know, Joe Biden, you know, not to, he's a wealthy family, but we're not even going to go there. (laughs) All of them use this system that I teach and all of them have used it. You know, if you go back to the Rothschilds and Rockefellers for well over a hundred years, the reason their families get richer and richer or, or wealthier and wealthier, and they can never turn around is because they've mastered exactly what I just told you that circle every dollar comes back to their bank. They can't lose. But if everybody else like just keeps going about life the way they are and giving up control of their money, what you're also giving up when you give up control of your money, because money don't materialize it. Money is just a tool, just like the shovel in your garage. It's a tool like the surfboard that was in, you know, your mom's truck. When I took it to go surfing, it's a tool. (laughs) That's it. Money's the tool. And it's only designed to do what you want it to do. So when you control the tool, 
you also control your life. And when you control the tool, the, which is the money, your life, you also control freedom, freedom of time, freedom of what and when and where you go and how you do it. Like, you see, it all starts there because if you can control just that one little aspect and not to, not to make money's all, cause that's not what life's all about, but it is certainly important in yeah. our environment. Yeah. So if you can control that, you can then start the process of controlling everything else in your life. And that is so powerful. You're both very young. So like, imagine if all of your friends only learned how to be their own bank instead of giving up control, it would change the entire dynamic of this country. Yeah. In the next decade or the next, the next century, this country would look so different. Hopefully you would, you know, if, if that happened, you could eventually abolish the fed. The fed is the problem. Like the fed yeah. prints money controls monetary supply. But if you controlled them on the money in your life and everybody else started adopting this, you eventually would not need the fed. And now I know that's pie in the sky stuff, but Hey, yeah. <laughs> every guy and gal has to have a dream. And that's my dream. Yes. Yeah. One of our questions kind of goes along those lines you do stuff in real estate i know and what would have changed in your real estate career but really your whole life specifically if you would have known about infinite banking and this um <laughs> at 13. oh my gosh well everything would have changed um ahead of us understanding this there was something else like people ask me all the time if i could go back to my we'll use my 13 year old self and i could give it myself one piece of advice the advice I would give is not how to become your own bank. The advice I would give is give more, do more for others, solve more problems for other people. Because if I had figured that out at 13, yeah, everything else could have changed because the secret to life, forget about money and everything else we're talking about here. The secret really is not doing for us. It's doing for others and solving other people's problems. And when you understand that, everything flows to you, money, fame, wealth. If you just go get, super good. Like take your parents, like they're, they're givers. Like, yeah, they, they're out there all the time giving and, and, and helping people because that's just their nature. Look at how people are drawn to them. Like just in yeah. your own family, like look at all the people that are drawn to them and all they do is solve other people's problems. Simple. That's the advice I would have given. But now let's go one step further. Let's say I understood this, all the dirt bikes, all the cars, all the houses, everything that I've ever bought in my life. I would have controlled all the money flow and it all would have ended up in my bank. The only word that comes to the, my mind and maybe I'm a bit off, but is a couple billion. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the time, the compounding effect of money and the sheer amount of money, I've done 270 flips. It's, it was a nightmare, wow. but I flipped that many houses and just imagining like if I never had to pay somebody else's bank, for all the money I borrowed for them. And if all that money went back to my bank, like it would be drastically different. Yeah. My life, my family, my daughter's life would be drastically different. Um, okay. So one, um, so I know that you are a mentor to many people, but who are some of the people or person that has mentored you and help you get to where you are now? I've had a lot of mentors but I'm going to pick on one that, you know, and his name is Greg Reed. So many, many years ago, I was at a really tough point in my life. I had just lost pretty much everything. I was spiraling out of control. I was in a state of depression, you know, just blaming everybody else. And somehow I, I, I came across Greg 
at an event and Greg gave me his number and he says, here's my number. He gave the whole room his number and he says, yeah. I'm going to give my number to everybody, but nobody ever calls me. So, well, I'm like, okay. And if nobody does it, then I'm going to do it. So I call him immediately. And then he invites me out to this mastermind and I was so excited, but then he says, okay, it's, it's 5,000 bucks, but you really need to be there. You'll, you'll meet all the people you need to meet. I didn't have $5,000 and I remember almost not going. I was pondering this. Even when I did commit and charge the credit card, I, I almost went back and refunded and like, I can't do this. But I went out there and I remember like being in a place, you know, I was at Greg's house, but uh, surrounded by, you know, the founder of Make-A-Wish, the founder of Ugg Boots, the founder of Pictionary, like all these greats. Yeah. And I, and you know, all these people, it's funny. Like, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah, I don't have, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's nothing to you, but to me at the no, state where I was at, these were, these were giants, these were greats. Yes. And I didn't even know how to talk to them, but I'm sitting there and, and I went up to Greg and he knew I was kind of in a tough place. Cause we had discussed this. And he's, I said to him, I said, Greg, can you give me the best advice you can give? He puts his hand on my shoulder in the normal Greg Reed fashion, leans into me and he says, I'm going to give you the best advice I can give anyone. I said, yeah, Greg, give it to me. And he says, give your best stuff away for free. I had no idea. Like I, I was actually pissed. I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's all you got for me. I just spent five grand to come out here and that's the advice you're going to give me. But it served to be one of the best pieces of advice because that's exactly what I do today. It's what I've been doing for a long time. Greg has been a great mentor of mine for, well, since then, that was 2014. So however many years yeah. that is. And uh, he's, he's turned into a good friend. I, I help a lot of his people. He helps a lot of mine. So he was a great mentor, still is today. That's awesome. Okay. So you were also, before you started, I think, in this career, you were a professional snowboarder. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> yeah. That's Freaking I awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the only word. I mean, it was, a, it was a lifestyle that, you know, very few people could dream about but never actually lived. I was chasing yeah. my dream. I don't know what else to say. I gave up a lot. You know, I didn't go the typical path of, you know, the 16, 17, 18 year old kid college. You know, I did go, but it was not, it just wasn't the importance. What was is my snowboarding. Cause that was my dream. So I chased my dream to the end of the earth and back and, and it took me places that were so beautiful. I can't put words to it. It, 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 it hurt me many times. I mean, I had so many injuries, but every, every injury just made me stronger because I just wanted to get healthy and I wanted to get healed and I wanted to get back on the snow. And even today, you know, I'm 44, I'll be 45 this month. When you put a snowboard on my feet, yeah. it's almost like a fountain of youth. I become something that I don't understand, but I become the kid that I once was. Uh, yes. I'm not scared of things. I just go for it. I mean, mm -hmm. anyone that's ever ridden with me, I, I know I was riding with Jay and you know, it's just like, I'm a, just a different being I'm in bliss. So to explain what it was like, it was bliss. It was, uh, it was like living in a fairy tale every time I was on the snow, uh, good, bad, and different rain, mm -hmm. snow, sleet. It just didn't matter. Like when you chase your dream, it's just, you're, you're in your environment, you're in your element and that's all there is to it. That's, yes, that's so like well, well worded. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just um, threw it out there. <laughs> so after um, your snowboarding career, what inspired you to begin the career path that you are now? Well, it wasn't after, it was during. So oh. to go back before the snowboarding career, when I was trying to become a pro snowboarder, when I was 16, I started working at 14 on a farm with my best friend's dad. And when I was 16, I started working at a restaurant, but they treated me terribly. 
degraded me. And, and I remember I quit that job and I came home to my mom. And I'd always had, I had this idea of creating a clothing line. I don't, it's going to be called <laughs> Fat, Fat Clothing Company, P-H-A-T. Back then that was like cool and hip. Uh, it's not really used quite as much today. But uh, I came home and I told my mom I wanted to start a clothing line in the basement. So I took a loan for 500 bucks from the Cornerstone Credit Union. And I went to my art teacher who printed shirts for the, the students and for the school. And he taught me how to screen print after hours. So I printed my first dozen, sold them. So this is 16 years old. I started my very first company, Fat Clothing Company, right then and there. And uh, I started selling my shirts. And at 17, I got the next big idea. I was on my pursuit to becoming a pro snowboarder. And I wanted a shop. I wanted my own place. So I went through a lot. And I opened uh, Fat Man Board Shops. It took 70000 bucks that I didn't have. But my mom put her house on the line. And my mother had nothing. All she had was the house. And she put it on the line so that a punk snowboard kid could chase his dream. And Fat Man Board Shops was open. Now, anyone listening to this, like you can go and Google Fat Man Board Shops and you'll see it's still open today. I opened that store. I co-founded it with a guy named Steve Seminara in November of 1994. Like many of your listeners aren't even born then. Not, not yeah. much after that. But that's when I started my first store. And that store came with like my mom's house on the line. Uh, so that's, that was there. Now that was my first like dream, I guess you would say, cause I was snowboarding, but I was, after I was snowboarding, I was in my, my store, my store sold snowboards and skateboards and clothing. And so like, there really wasn't yeah. too much of a disconnect. You see the parallel here? Like my dream yeah. was snowboarding, but like my, my work, my profession was still snowboarding, but but just selling snowboard goods. It was, it was almost like a direct correlation. You know, I was a rider owned and operated shop, but during the first recession and you know, m you both probably have never seen a recession, maybe heard about it, but you're about to go through one here soon. So you're going to, you know, hopefully at a young age, understand what a recession is, understand how it impacts the economy, the world and in people's mental state. Uh, but I went through the first one in the early two thousands. It was the dot com crash. Well, when that happened, I had to get a job. My, my retail stores were doing terrible. Uh, the recession hit me hard and I, I, I just needed money. And I lived a simple life, but I couldn't afford things. So I tried getting a job delivering pizzas, but they weren't hiring. So I put my resume out. Now you got to remember, like it, you've heard my story. I, I wasn't like some scholar. I wasn't some master's student. I, I did well in high school, but I did mediocre in college and I had no desires to really do too much in college. So my resume simply said, you know, pro snowboarder, shop owner, <laughs> community college for two years. Not exactly like a good resume, but the only companies that reached out to me were, were Wall Street companies. And I ended up taking a job with this one firm and I ended up staying in that industry, not so much at that firm, but I stayed in that industry for 16 years. So what I got a very deep understanding of was Wall Street stocks, bonds, everything around that. And I, I, I climbed to a high level. I was one of the, the top guys in the firms that I was at. And I left in 2018. I, I exited Wall Street. I sold my practice to the guy next to me. His name was Mike. And in doing that, I started, you know, I was in real estate and that's kind of one of the reasons I left. I left Wall Street because I saw some things I didn't like and I kind of wanted to get out of it because it was just toxic. And I had an opportunity to do a show on HGTV called Risky Builders. And I, it was either do the show or be an advisor. So I, I 
decided to again, chase my dream and do the show, even though it didn't work out, that's what landed me where I'm at. The exit of wall, if I was still in wall street, which I often think like if some things didn't happen in my life, like I still would be an advisor. I would still be drinking that Kool-Aid. I would have never left because I made too much money and I didn't have to work all that hard for it. So these events yeah. that happen in your life, good, bad, or indifferent all happen for a reason. And it's scary for me to think that, man, if just that one little thing didn't happen, I'd probably still be doing what I was doing then. And, and I wouldn't be able to impact the lives that I am today. So that's what led me where I'm at is exiting wall street, knowing the toxic nature of wall street, and then knowing the truth and then learning the truth in the real estate world and from the wealthiest individuals that I could find myself around, billionaires and multimillionaires, I started to see that they did something completely opposite than I used to teach my clients as an advisor. And that's what began the journey of teaching people the truth about money and how to take back controls was I couldn't do what I do today if I didn't you know, put, if I wasn't in the Wall Street world. Because being in Wall Street taught me everything they want us to know, the traditional financial yeah. stuff that we we're talking about. Exiting Wall Street, being around multiple multimillionaires and billionaires and understanding that they do things different and actually knowing how to communicate with them because I was an advisor and knowing like what it was they were doing when they explained complicated things that aren't complicated. It allowed me to formulate what I do today and how I articulate what you said earlier was complicated, but do it in a very simple yeah. fifth grade level. Sorry, and that was long winded, but that's the only way I can explain. That, that. was, yeah, that was really good. Um, could you explain briefly what briefly um, <laughs> what Wall Street is? What Wall Street is yeah. the big the big lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, gosh, it's a it's an exchange. It's you know private companies. You know they go public and they allow people to invest in their companies through stocks and they can take equity. I'm giving you the simplest thing. And individuals can invest in companies that they never would have the opportunity to own, but they can own micro shares or micro fractional ownership of these companies through this exchange called Wall Street. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. That's a terrible explanation, but I'm just trying to keep it simple and short. That was perfect. So we'll wrap it up here because we do about half an hour episodes. That was such an amazing yes, episode. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. You're welcome. You're very yeah, welcome. Um, where can our listeners find you off of this, yes. like social media? Yeah, if if your followers are on any social media, I'm there. Just go to at the Chris Noggle, and it's N-A-U-G-L-E. Uh, whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, I'm on all of them. Or to just kind of cut right to the chase, it can go to chrisnoggle.com. And everything that I have is on there from my podcast to my YouTube channel and all of it. That's where we found yes. a lot of our information to start asking questions we have a lot more but we're gonna keep it short and that was an amazing episode thank you so much thank have you a great so day much. you're welcome thank you and have a good day thank you bye bye, bye.